Hi. <laughs> nice bandana. Yeah, I thought I'd wear a poison bandana for the show today. Of course you have one. Uh, of course I have one. <laughs> I mean, at least one. Yeah. <laughs> I have multiple poison bandanas. I had no idea this is, you were such a fan. Yeah, man. I, uh, I take poison very seriously. You take poison very seriously. If I wasn't a celebrity, would you be so nice to me? If I didn't have cheese like every day, would you still want to be with me? If I couldn't buy you diamond rings and all those other expensive things, would you be so into me if I wasn't a celebrity? Lately. Hi, I'm Brett Michaels. I'm the lead singer of Poison. 20 million records sold. Rock and roll was my number one love. All right, let's jump into it. What's your encounter? In college, I joined what was called the Brett Michaels Fan Club because I saw that you could meet Brett Michaels after a Poison show if you were uh, in the Brett Michaels Fan Club. <laughs> I had to mail in like 20 or $25, which as a poor college student was actually quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It came with a sticker that said Brett Michaels Fan Club. You went to the concert and then afterwards, if you stuck around and had that sticker, you could meet Brett Michaels And so you just waited in this long line with a bunch of other people. And then eventually they brought you back to where the band's tour bus was. And just one by one, you went up and got to talk to Brett Michaels. And he signs my visor. I had a poison visor. Visors were pretty big. Of course. In the late 90s. Visors. (laughs) But visors are like, like preppy and golf related. So the fact that there was a poison version of that just... Uh, There actually wasn't a poison version of it. At the Minnesota State Fair, I had bought a poison patch. Oh. And then I I bought a (laughs) visor. So I had made this visor. You made a poison visor. Yeah. So I made a poison visor. I think you might have had the only poison visor ever. Yeah. Now it's autographed on the bill by Brett Michaels. (laughs) That's fantastic. The encounter, you said it was back by the tour buses. It wasn't in the tour bus, was it? He was sitting on the steps of his tour bus. There was a line down the tour bus. Oh. And you'd walk up uh-huh. and see him. I've got a photo. I should, I'll see if I can find the photo quick. My hair is kind of mashed down because I was wearing my poison visor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at you. Wow. That is an awesome visor and also your phone. <laughs> Just a nice little Kyocera clip to the hip. Oh, fantastic. I look very happy. You do. You look like you just had a dream come true. This next song, you know what's coming right now. This next song, I need everyone to help me sing this one out, all right? This one's called Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Light it up. So this is a little bit like the Carrot Top encounter, where it's just me waiting in line and (laughs) meeting a celebrity. But what makes this encounter different is I had written Brett Michaels a letter. (laughs) I laugh because I'm just kind of embarrassed about it. Uh A really close friend of mine had recently committed suicide, like within the past year. Mm. And he and I were both big Poison fans and just big hair metal fans in general. Mm. So when I met Brett Michaels, I'd written him like this handwritten letter and I handed it to him and I was like, Hey, uh, my friend Corey committed suicide recently and I wanted to give you this letter and let you know how much you mean to us. And he was like super nice about it. He took it and he's like, I'm going to read this tonight. I'm going to read this tonight, man. Oh. 
embarrassed about is I in the letter I included Corey's family's phone number and I was like I guess I came up with the cameo idea because I was like will you please call them like if you get a chance they would love to hear from Brett Michaels (laughs) and (laughs) just like you know I uh I feel bad about that now like if he did read that like putting that on him because I don't, he might get requests like that all the time, and then he feels bad that he's not doing it. But like, who has time to do that? And how awkward is that just to call a random family? I don't know. Um, that was like requested requested by a third party. Mm-hmm. He never called, as far as I know. But uh, I don't blame him for not as far as you uh, know. for not calling. I think I would have heard about it <laughs> if Brett Michaels called my friend's <laughs> he family. Probably would have. But uh, so, yeah, like every other celebrity so far that I've ever talked about on this podcast, uh, he was incredibly friendly and left me with a very warm feeling inside and uh, made me want to hang out with him more. That's great. So, Corey, he was a good friend of yours, huh? He was definitely one of my best friends in high school. And then at the beginning of college, we'd kind of drifted apart because everyone just kind of does their own thing for a while. But yeah. um, he's definitely somebody that I would have stayed in touch with and stayed close to. My best friend died a lonely man So Paul Springs a hotel room I got the call last Christmas Eve And they told me the news I tried all night not to break down and cry As tears rolled down my face so was this a situation where like was it a total surprise like was everyone just like shocked yeah it was a total surprise there was no suicide note or anything and uh so it was just like very mysterious to everybody and hmm. um and at the time you just feel really terrible because i hadn't you know been in touch recently so i felt a lot of guilt thinking oh i should have called more or emailed more and maybe i could have done something to prevent this mm-hmm. um i had no idea he was ever having thoughts like this or that he would do something like this so i felt uh i felt a lot of guilt for a long time hmm. Yeah. You know, thinking I could have done something for my friend. Right. Yeah, that's that's really hard. Yeah. And that's one of the one of my motivations for uh volunteering with the San Francisco Suicide Prevention Line. Yeah, so what does that entail? Volunteers volunteer for four hour shifts every week. Mm-hmm. People call in with a wide range of issues. The one of the things that surprised me about it is that I assumed you had to be suicidal to call a suicide hotline. But we're basically like amateur crisis mm-hmm. counselors yeah, and just available anyone can call at any time mm-hmm. the majority of people are at no risk of suicide 
they're just maybe having suicidal thoughts or they are just having a panic attack mm -hmm. and then some people are at high risk of suicide. So I wish they didn't call it the suicide hotline and they just called it like emotional support line. Yeah, but. right. Well, yeah, because that's like, I think the first step in, in really gaining or making traction is is to lower the intensity of it, right? Like low, like just make it, like it's just a normal thing. Everyone feels this way. Yeah. It's not like there's something grossly wrong with anyone who has, you know, not great thoughts. Um, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't have to wait until you're feeling suicidal because it's not like you're feeling perfectly happy one day and then the next day you're suicidal. Yeah. It's like you've had, you've been feeling anxious and depressed mm -hmm. and it's growing more and more. And maybe if there had been an earlier intervention. Right. And, you know, going to a therapist is super expensive and time intensive even just to find one that you like. Exactly. So uh, this is just like something you can try. And uh, it seems to really help people um, just to be able to talk to somebody and have them listen mm -hmm. and validate their emotions. It's powerful. So did you do any training for this? Yeah. Um, you do a ton of training. In a nutshell, what did they train you to do? Like what for someone who's trying to be a, a good friend to someone or, you know, listening here? Yeah, that's a good question. It's, it's, I feel like everyone should have this training. Because yeah, 100%. <laughs> I wish I had had this training like back in high school or something because it would have come in handy in like every relationship I've had. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I never knew about validating people's emotions until pretty recently. That's been a big life changer. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by validating? You let somebody know that what they're feeling is valid. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times... I don't know, like in relationship, relationships I've had, uh, if somebody's upset about something, I can either say like, hey, look on the bright side, mm -hmm. um, which is not helpful. Or you're just like, oh, that's, you know, you're upset. It's not really that big of a deal. You shouldn't be feeling yeah, that you should, way. Yeah, you, yeah. Don't, you mm -hmm. don't need to be feeling that way. Like you shouldn't be offended. Mm -hmm. You're wrong. So even if you don't agree with like why somebody is feeling a certain way, like they are feeling that way. And, mm -hmm. and it just is super helpful to hear somebody say like, yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. I understand why you're feeling that way. And somebody saying that to somebody is a huge right. weight off their shoulders. Like that sounds really hard. Yeah. I've had people specifically call in and just be like, when I talk to my friends and family, they just say, you know, you're, you shouldn't be so emotional. <laughs> and it's just like, mm -hmm. that's, how is that helpful? Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've made that mistake in the past too. Just makes you feel more shame for feeling the way yeah. you're feeling. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of times the other thing that just family and friends go to is trying to fix the situation. Yeah. Um, which isn't necessarily what people need. Mm -hmm. And I'm tempted to do that like on the phone when I'm talking to people going through crisis and it's someone I've talked to a while. I've, feel so many things for them and I want to like look them up mm -hmm. and like get involved in their life mm -hmm. and fix the situation just be like oh you just like I, where where are you right now like I'll come hug you yeah and that's that's been a really great thing about doing the hotline for me is I'm I have pretty bad boundaries with mm -hmm. stuff like that so this is like a perfect thing where it's like you get 15 minutes to talk to this person unless they're at a high risk mm -hmm. uh, and it's like I do it for four hours a week mm -hmm. and that's it and so it's it's much easier than me trying to bring all these people into my personal life yeah. and exhausting myself right. and trying to solve every issue that they have. That's huge. So, and you are, you are by nature in that situation, not able to do anything about it besides just listen and validate. Yeah. So even though my instinct is to mm -hmm. want to rescue the person, right. Um, it's just good practice to 
just know like I'm just here to listen and Mm -hmm. try to help you feel grounded and help you to feel like you're not crazy. Mm-hmm. So validating, that's one technique. Yeah. And if somebody's you know, calling in and having a panic attack, we uh, might suggest like leading them through some breathing exercises, yeah. really try to ground people in the present. Yeah. When people are feeling anxious or depressed, it's always about something that they are regretful about in the past or something they're worried about in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're just like, you know, let's talk about what's happening right now, mm-hmm. what's happening around you, or let's focus on your breath. Mm-hmm. And that seems to help a lot. Yep. Yep. And we're not, uh, we don't give advice. We don't talk about ourselves at all. Literally just listening and validating. Yeah. Yeah. And then if somebody, if somebody is suicidal, if, if they're suicidal and they have a plan and the plan is in the next 24 hours, that's a high risk uh, situation. So then somebody mm-hmm. listens in on your call and we try to like figure out where they are so we can send services to help them. Mm-hmm. But like I said, most of the calls are just um, yeah. for emotional support. Are you trained to ask questions to find out like if they do have a plan, how, how risky it is? Yeah. You assess for suicide immediately. Part of the idea is we want to destigmatize suicidal thoughts. So it's like not that big of a deal. Like, are you, are you feeling suicidal? Yeah, you're, you're not alone. Right. One of the things that I grabbed onto really quickly in my own counseling is the this the concept that you are not your thoughts. Because I feel like people have thoughts and they feel shame for having thoughts because they're like, oh, this is a like, this is me. And I'm sure you know that there's a part of you, but like you are at the end of the day, like you are not your thoughts. And the thoughts that you have can be controlled. And if there's a problem that can be solved. So it's just like, so if you're feeling suicidal, if you're thinking about killing yourself, like that is that is not you. That is something that can be solved. So it's very like, it's almost like separating the self from the thought. Yeah. Which I feel like is helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Have you ever had suicidal thoughts? I've never had suicidal thoughts, but I've definitely had like really intense moments, you know, like through my divorce and all the times leading up to that, um, that I, I felt like so out of body in the pain that I was experiencing, um, that I had thoughts about hurting myself. Um, and so I know, I know what that's like. It makes total sense in the moment, you know, exactly what's happening because you're so out of sorts. And so like, it's like anything to ground you in the moment. I think you said that really well, like just because it's so intense. Yeah. There was some intense moments where I would like get in the car and drive or fairly recklessly. Those were like, like really risky moments because um, you're just very out of sorts yeah. and in the control of a very large, powerful vehicle. But uh, Jessica, I had no idea. Yeah, it was pretty intense. It was uh, it was just really not a good situation for a lot of a lot of months. When I was growing up, when I came home from school and I hated going to school, when I you know had trouble with my girlfriend, when when I came home uh, you know from work and I hated it, and I said fuck all that, I want to escape and and listen to my music and stuff like that. I'd either go in my room and play my guitar or I would I would listen, put on an album that I love listening to. And uh, I think rock and roll is something you can escape to. It's when you come to a Poison concert, you're escaping from everything else. You can, you can, you know, leave everything at home and just come out and enjoy yourself. And I think that's what we're all about. That's what I believe that we are. That's what I want to be. But now I'm all better. I feel really bad. So basically what happened is I went to EMDR therapy 
which is eye movement desensitization, desensitization and reprocessing. Highly recommend for anyone who's experiencing like high, like intense. It doesn't like it's particularly effective for trauma. Yeah. There's a couple different ways of doing it. There's one you like watch something from so your eyes follow a thing like maybe it's a pencil from the right to the left. Yeah. And the idea is that is you're just trying to get your brain moving back and forth. You're trying to get your brain into a certain flow state. And once the brain waves are flowing at a certain rate, it's they've found clinically that it's easier to kind of dig into some of the subconscious things that make a person feel the intense feelings that they feel. I think of it as like a fast track into just like reprocessing and, and uprooting some of the, the deepest, you know, core problems that you've experienced in your life. Yeah. Um, so for me, though, she had these little buzzers. So I had one buzzer in my right hand, one buzzer in my left hand, and it just like buzzed uh, back and forth from one to the other. So same concept as running, walking, like drumming, dancing, like all these things are, are ways of getting your body into like this kind of like rhythmic motion. And um, so I people say they do a lot of good processing while they like are on a run or out for a walk. Yeah. Do you feel like you're in some sort of meditative state when you're doing it? Oh, 100%. Yeah. And you I mean, you really have to you have to be ready and wanting to do this because you like there's an element of work for like letting the process flow and letting like it's not that it's just automatically like oh my god you just start overflowing and all these epiphanies happen you have to like work and think and like let it sit and be okay when it doesn't like so the therapist will ask you questions and will try to trace it back usually it seems like there's usually some sort of point in time that is a is a memory from your past that it, you can trace that intense uh, trigger back to and then from there you can kind of re reshape it yeah and reshape how you feel about yourself and it's super powerful it's kind of like rewiring your brain a little bit or 100 percent. yeah 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 and i mean like i was at the point when i was doing that i was like a third in my 30s and i had i had like these deep realizations of just patterns and things that were happening over the course of my formative years that i'm like I just had no idea were issues and I wouldn't have had I not like gone into that huh. situation where it's like, Oh, like, really dig into it. So highly recommend therapy in general, man. Music is about, uh, it's about feelings. It's about aggressions. For me, I was very fortunate because, um, I felt when I was growing up, a lot of times I had inner frustrations just like I do now or things that I, I have trouble getting out to people. Although I can talk a lot. Sometimes I, I have a lot of insecurities of things that I feel inside and things that you know you're ashamed of, things that you'd like to be that you can't accomplish. And with the music, I've always had a chance to kind of uh, spill my guts. It's almost like a uh, it's almost like a therapy for me, you know. I'm such a big fan of therapy. <laughs> like it is it has literally like reshaped my entire existence in life. Therapy has opened the door for me to like I mean I I feel like I have a just an enlightened awareness of the world and of people and it's it's massive so highly recommend to anyone i also recommend it i was really skeptical of therapy i figured there must be something to it since it's been around so long now and it's this huge industry but uh i was didn't know if it could work for me and i tried a couple of different therapists and then finally found one in oakland after i moved and was going through my divorce and everything and um I told her up front, like, I don't know if I believe this. And I was <laughs> like kind of difficult, uh, but I was just like, but, I, you know, let's let's stick with it. I like you. And uh, eventually it, 
it definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things that I wasn't mm-hmm. uh, aware of and definitely life-changing. I think it's good for anybody to do. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Even if you're not feeling depressed or anxious or anything. Oh, 100%. I still go every week, even though I feel like I'm actually pretty pretty good. But I'm still learning things. And even <laughs> one of the biggest values for me to go now is for me to express and, and describe situations which might have been hard for me years ago, months ago, and now I'm reacting differently. And the therapist is basically just like, yeah, good, like two thumbs up. Yeah. And so it just is like in, increasing that kind of behavior and, and even like more accelerating the growth. Yeah. The biggest thing therapy has helped me to do is just to, to know myself better and be okay being myself yeah. in life mm-hmm. and just be my authentic self. Right. Right. Instead of trying to be who other people want me to be yeah. and worrying about that. To me, that is like the goal of therapy. It, it combats shame for not liking yourself. It increases your vulnerability and like honesty with yourself and with others. I will never forget my, my therapist that I have now early on. She was like, I would like to get to the goal of getting like the Jessica that's had two glasses of wine <laughs> to be the normal Jessica. <laughs> That's great. I was like, that is a really great way of putting it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I know myself after two glasses of wine, like <laughs> alcohol by nature lowers your inhibition, makes you kind of brings out some of your true self. Yeah, that's great. In some ways, lowers your anxiety. <laughs> yeah. And so then you, I was like, that'd be fantastic. So then you just uh, you started drinking two glasses of wine before having any conversation with anybody. Yeah, exactly. I think that's great advice. <laughs> Well, the mirror tells a different story Than the one that's playing in my mind Every time I swear I'm looking younger The more lines that I find I guess I learned to trade youth for wisdom And lust in for romance It's all written in the stages and phases Of life's little All right, Jessica, do you think Brett Michaels is on Cameo.com? I, you know, I'm going to say yes. Why do you say that? I'm going to say yes because he seems like a happy-go-lucky kind of positive person that he'd be willing to put his energy towards that to make people smile. Yeah, I would have said the same thing. He's not on Cameo, at least not currently as of this recording. Well, we should write him a letter (laughs) and tell him. Yeah. Maybe Brett Michaels will listen to this and uh, finally read that letter that I dig that up. Yeah. Kind of going back to a throwback to previous conversations. I wonder how much that letter was more, most beneficial for you to write down. Yeah, that's a good point. It's uh, basically, yeah, it's, I feel like I had a problem with that where uh, I would write letters to people and then like now I realize like, Oh, that was a journaling exercise. <laughs> I didn't need to share that. Yeah. I would uh-huh. share this with Brett Michaels. Because you're processing. My college girlfriend dumped me and I moved to Los Angeles. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember writing her like this soup, like four page letter or something, just like super emotional and like probably kind of mean at parts. And then um, I felt so much better after I wrote it and then I mailed it. And then luckily 
uh, she had moved or something and the, the letter got returned to me. And I was like, oh, thank God that like she never mm-hmm. received this because <laughs> this was yeah. this was just a journal exercise. I'm glad she didn't get to hear everything that I'm thinking mm-hmm. and she has no responsibility to hear everything I'm thinking since we're not together yeah. anymore. So things you learn. This is the theme. This is the theme of the podcast. It's always better to let it out. Let your emotions out. You are not your thoughts. And writing it down for a letter to Brett Michaels or calling a hotline. Yeah. All little things. And with the music, I've always had a chance to kind of uh, spill my guts. It's almost like a uh, it's almost like a therapy for me, you know, to be able to put how I feel, whether it was, uh, you know, with... Uh, say like I want action, which is more of a sexual song, and it's it's more a song based on um, things that I probably would almost be kind of nervous to say to a girl. But sometimes in my music, I can say it, and then I can start to you know it's like a therapy. It lets me talk to people. Or a song like like I won't forget you. If it's more sentimental, that maybe I didn't have a chance to say to my family or to someone I knew or to my friends or something like that. Yeah, I think uh, maybe because I'm so anything I do has always been for an audience like I'm very motivated by that so journaling has never had as big of an appeal like if I make a video I want people mm-hmm. to see it yeah. so just like maybe I, t- I took that into writing it's like if I'm gonna put all this work if I'm gonna spend two hours dumping mm-hmm. all this out of myself then uh someone else is gonna read it mm-hmm. someone else better read it I guess this this podcast has been essentially that where it's yeah Just uh, uh, we're on here processing our thoughts and emotions and just putting it out there and anybody can listen if they want to. Yeah. All right. That was good. Alrighty. What kind of music are we going to, we're going to, are we going to put some poison into this episode? Yeah, there'll be definitely poison. Couldn't buy no diamond rings Still wanna